It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust. This is the C Four Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast. My name's Chris at Lightforce, joined virtually by Anna Forsyth at A4Scythe03. Anna is actually the brains of the operation. I mean, y'all should know that by now, but welcome, Anna. Thanks, um, I'll take it for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like sometimes I'm the brain, sometimes you're the brain, sometimes neither of us are the brains. Can you give me an example as to when I was ever the brains of this show? Well, you are the one that understands everything technical about our show, and I do not. So, I mean, you use the term understand quite loosely in that definition, let me tell you. Uh, I've watched a YouTube video maybe or two, but... More than me. uh, Yeah, still, when it comes to hockey knowledge, yours is far superior than Mm. mine. And I've got a significant head start, both in the fact that I'm older than you and, two, have lived here my entire life. I didn't pick up hockey um, many years into my, you know, being. So, again... And I'm better than Chris. I appreciate it, but I I think we're a good balance because you know old timey stuff that I do not. That's because I'm old. Yeah. I mean, it happens. You're an old timer. Through osmosis. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of old timey stuff, if there's something I remember about the Vancouver Canucks is when the going gets good, the going can get bad. And that's sort of kind of what happened over the course of this road trip, Um, which, you know, thinking back to you and I prognosticating. I think the games played out where the two of us sort of thought they might, like where there might be some struggle or where there might be some trouble. Like we, we 
take our thoughts and put them together and <laughs> we predicted it. Yeah, we did pretty much predict how it would play out. I guess we uh, the only thing that we thought would happen is that they would get two wins over the Sharks, which they did not. But like, the way the Canucks played the games is definitely how we drew it up. Totally. Just, just to the T mm-hmm. or the I or the, you know, J. I mean, why is it to the T? Like, I presume it's not the letter T. It's like a T on the golf course or. It's probably like, a T on a golf course. Um, I, I don't know. I'm I don't just know curious. where where that comes from, actually. But there you go. I do love um, origins of expressions and stuff. So if anyone knows, mm-hmm. tell us. Is this something that uh, Pagani would uh, would be able to tell us? I know she's big into like she's words. Is yeah. she also expressions? If anyone can, like yeah, Pags would be the one. Um, Susie Dent is a good follow on. Twitter and Instagram for that kind of thing. Interesting um, huh. words and origins of phrases. There you go. Well, um, this isn't a, a English podcast. No, English thank God. Word. Um, yeah, no kidding. Uh, it would be, be trouble uh, for, for me, for certain. At least you can lean on the fact that you speak the, I guess it's the king's English now. Cause yeah. Still getting used to acknowledging the appropriate, you know, representation of the crown because of the change that's happened once in anyone's lifetime. I know it's weird because even when you know they say, "Oh, well, that law is a KC," and I'm like, "KFC." <laughs> then I remember that King's <laughs> yeah, there, yeah, yeah, they're Korean fried chicken, Kentucky fried chicken, whichever yeah. fried chicken. KC uh, and Sunshine Band. Ooh, there we go. That's old school. Yeah. Do you know what? If I ever were to become a lawyer and be, in, is it invested into King's Council? God knows. I don't know. I am going to name my practice the Sunshine Band. And so I can sign it quite legitimately, Chris Golden, KC, the Sunshine Band. Let's just say that's a giant if. <laughs> There's a lot of things that must occur mm-hmm. just to get me to the point that I could even claim to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, let alone become King's Counsel. Yeah, anyway, man, sh- off the rail. This show is off to a great start. start. Um, you noted here that uh, in the introduction, we forgot to mention something last week, Anna. Yeah, I wanted to close this to be my final thought last week, and I forgot. So mm-hmm. um, apologies about that. But um, last week, very exciting news that Luke Prokop made his AHL debut. So we have officially had an openly gay AHL player now. Like, that's a professional league. Like, he is a professional, openly gay professional hockey player. I think that's so exciting. Um, Seems like he's going from strength to strength in his career. I've heard him speak a number of times um, when he was in junior, and he seems to be, like, developing into just this very emotionally mature, like eloquent young man so it's i think it's really exciting obviously it really does put an onus on the nhl and you know the nhl to be more inclusive and really live their hockey's for everyone mission but yeah i think it's a very exciting time it certainly is and you know i'm out of curiosity was luke playing 
in the ECHL or so I, I know he he was junior, but like the transition into playing in the A a month and a half into a season. Yeah, so I think um, he was playing in Atlanta in the ECHL. Yes, so he's he was playing in the dub last year, um, or a mixture of the dub and the ECHL, um, playing a lot of his games down in Seattle um, last year. But yes, he has had nine games in Atlanta for the Gladiators. There's only one R in that, which I think is a missed opportunity. Um, and then he's had three games for the Milwaukee Admirals. So. Okay. That's pretty cool. Well, congratulations on making it to the uh, the it's not the show yet, but like stage left, right? Yeah, it's like um the dress rehearsal, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what you would call the A in the context of the NHL being the show, but whatever it happens to be, congratulations on making it loop. <laughs> If there's something that can't be done in Vancouver, yet has happened, is to keep a secret at the Raj. Yeah, I know. I'm like, were you as shocked as I was by the secret that was the Royals just happening to be at the game on Monday? Certainly. Like, it got my wife's attention. Like, is that Prince Harry? Why, yes, it is. It is Prince Harry and his wife, Megan. Like, it was uh, definitely a, a surprise. And if there's something that I have grown to learn about the Vancouver sports scene is that there are no secrets. Word gets out Yeah, quick. it's a small town, like masquerading as a city. Yeah, it, it's... That sort of thing. It, it's exacerbated when it has something to do with the Vancouver Canucks, um, especially in the sports context. One, a lot of people work at the Rogers. Rogers Arena has a variety of different um, staff and and levels of sort of staff. And as a result, word trickles out from time to time. It's one of the reasons why you often will hear uh, from, from those around the media scene as to what's going on in Vancouver uh, before the actual organization were to say so. So for, you know, Harry and Megan to one, be at the game. And then two, to have had the arrangements to have obviously him, you know, drop a buck and all that and have all the graphics for the Invictus games, which if you happen to watch social media content showcasing, oh, it's game day. They had the Invictus Games graphics and all of that, like whatever time they were doing their like, you know, programming run through on the screen and all that. So it's not like, oh, Harry and Megan showed up at uh, Will Call and said, you know, I know a guy. <laughs> it it quite yeah. literally was a a planned experience. So yeah, um, they were at the they were at the game, and you know, for those who may recall, his grandmother happened to also drop a a puck here in Vancouver between the same two teams. Yeah. I know. Uh, a very, you know, handsome, um, Mike Ricci. And I mean, I, I, I shouldn't, you know, take a shot at Mike cause professional hockey player is about to lose a tooth or two. Um, Mike had the greasy hair as well going out, you know, real good. And I can't, was, was it Marcus that was captain at that yeah, game? Yeah, I think so. I, that's the picture I have in my head. 
Yeah. I just remember it was Mike Ricci because it's like, well, there's one of the Queen's subjects. But uh, the point being, Harry drops the puck. And every time they showed him, like on the broadcast, he seemed to be really enjoying himself. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, I was like, when I say I was surprised, I literally thought people were kidding because I turned the game on. I often try and skip the anthems on purpose, but um, I turned the game on like as the puck was dropping, not the ceremonial one, um, because actually I was just like trying to finish Canuck's conversation for the day. And then I was just like, oh, social media says Prince Harry. And I'm like, is this a joke? I don't get it. And then I realized it was the real thing. So (laughs) I was pretty shocked. But they seemed, yeah, really into it. Him and his brother are pretty avid sports fans. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Prince William is like head of the like FA, like the, not the actual head, but like the figurehead of the FA. Um, They're really into football, really into rugby. They grew up playing polo, which I guess is just a very rich person's sport. But, you know, it is a sport. So... It doesn't shock me that they got into it, but it was cool that they were so engaged um, from start to finish. Like, you know, they stuck around for the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Which uh, his grandmother did not. (laughs) Fair enough. I don't think the Queen's Uh, that interested, to be fair. uh, I I actually, I'm She likes horses and dogs and that's it. If, uh, well, they have neither at, Mm. uh, that would have been GM place at the time. Uh, I'm genuinely curious if, uh, Queen Elizabeth had actually stuck around for anything beyond the uh, puck drop, or if it was like off to, I guess, what Hotel Vancouver or wherever the heck they they put royalty up in in, yeah. in Metro Van. Harry, Harry was probably like at an Airbnb because he's no longer what a full time royal, but uh, no, but he got that Netflix money. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the, the game itself. So you have the San Jose Sharks in town to the Vancouver Canucks. And uh, this was a game where we felt Vancouver needed to come out and prove a point, especially having come off of a loss against the uh, Seattle Kraken uh, over the course of the weekend. Um, it didn't really start off in my mind well. Maybe some of that is the the hubbub as to uh, who was dropping the puck, the sort of, you know, I don't want to say the buzz in the building because it did seem like there was some good energy uh, but uh, once the second period rolled around, the Vancouver Canucks seemed to settle into things. And it was at that point, it felt to me that the Canucks were going to win. And that's not to suggest that when, you know, Hurdle scores less than a minute in the third period, that I'm not maybe sitting there with a little, you know, tightness um, internally. It still felt like the Vancouver Canucks, better team, we're going to find a way to win, which is what they ultimately did. Yeah, and we talked before, like, about, like, stars um, making their presence felt in um, tough games, and, like, Quinn for sure did that. Um, definitely, like, like stepped up and was just, like, this is the game, like, I'm taking it on now, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he he's showcasing himself extremely well but also now starting to become more than the player that we've seen him sort of um be to this at this point like uh, we'll talk a little bit about it um as we get into the week but quinn is now like i was gonna say an offensive defenseman but no he's, he's a well-rounded defenseman he is 
He's yeah. quite literally the anchor on the blue line and is such a threat that he provides, you know, such a clearing to his line mate, which for the most part is often Philip Ronick, uh, who in turn uh, himself is, is definitely finding his, action, finding his yeah. place. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you then think, well, Chris, I remember you saying that the rest of the Canucks blue line is, is hot junk. And that's no longer the case. Like right down to, well, in this particular game, it's Friedman and Jilson, probably the third pairing, but I think Tyler Myers is still Tyler Myers, but he's not hurting the team. There is a reliable blue line presence. Um, JT Miller uh, got himself another goal in this game. This is a guy who is currently, you know, given F's every which way that he can. Yeah. He's so physically, mentally, tactically engaged in every game now, like from start to finish, not just like when he feels like it or on the power play. Like, yeah, it's he's so defensively responsible in ways that he wasn't before. So, yeah, he is like for sure earning his contract at the moment, at least. Oh. Uh, but the Vancouver Canucks get that 3-1 dub against the Sharks before they head back out in the road. And they have to find their way into uh, Denver uh, to play the Colorado Avalanche, which uh, trying to explain to uh, Baby Force uh, is somewhat difficult. Uh, she wants to know where the city of Colorado happens to be. Like, hmm. well, Colorado is a state. What's well, a state? Well, it's kind of like a province. But why don't they call it a province? Well, it's in the United States. Oh, so they play in the entire state? No, they're kind of like the BC Lions. They play in a city, but they're named after the bigger area. What city? Denver. Well, they should be called the Denver Avalanche. I mean, she's got a point. Yeah, I. it's weird how some teams end up like that. I wonder if what the like thinking behind it is every time. Because, um, you know, Vancouver Canucks kind of belong to BC as a province, you, you'd think. Well, they do. Like the... Well, the Canucks would have you know they are very much representative of the entire province, and all fans of the team in the province of BC are welcome. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like you don't see too many broader regional teams, um, but a few do exist. Anyway, yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, like the Coyotes switched their name to Arizona, um, and I don't think it's just because like they moved but yeah the vancouver giants are still the vancouver giants even though they're in langley mm-hmm. but yeah i guess langley giants doesn't have the best branding but yeah well i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna take us off the rails further okay, you brought please. up langley um the uh tier two soccer club in uh that uh, area called vancouver fc Oh, um, I wondered what they were. I have seen like kids in that uniform. Yeah, so they are out in Langley, right? Like it's, and the struggle here was that they were they they even tried to create a social media game that had them try compare themselves to like Vancouver Whitecaps FC. One, not even close. Two, they weren't even the better team in the yeah tier two scene in our sort of geographic area. So. Yeah, I mean, is it a bit like a Vancouver Giants going to rename themselves just because they moved? Probably not. Like, you've got to keep that. 
fair play. But uh, to the game, uh, this was a really good game. This is going to be the 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 game as to which Vancouver is going to see probably their toughest competition, arguably on this this sort of week. Not to take anything away from the uh, the rival, quote unquote, that they face a little bit later. Uh, but uh, the first period, uh, you saw uh, two teams really sort of uh, testing each other. Uh, Hoglander scores a goal, and Vancouver just got a little too excited, maybe. Uh, yeah, like honestly, the whole game felt pretty toe to toe for most of it. Um, like, I know Colorado like went up very early on in the third, but like in general, like up until that fourth goal, like it felt super tight. But um, yeah, I thought it was a good game. Like, I thought. Nils Hoglander had another great game. Um, I say another, I just mean on the season, I'm not praising his slew foot against San Jose. That looked gross and yeah. Probably so, okay. <laughs> on the slew foot. So when I wa- like when I saw the replay and they gave him like an intent to injure penalty, I found that harsh. Sure. However, I did, I, I did think it was probably a more you can't do that penalty. Yeah, like I, I had no problem with the five. Like that is a slew foot. Yeah, like clear as day, and it wasn't like you accidentally, you know, stuck your leg between his to take him down. It was, it was slew foot, clear and clear. Um, what had me sort of then give some pause to consider was what occurred in this game. So Canucks are down two one. Um, going into the second period, uh, second period gets underway and Vancouver is starting to play a much more aggressive style of, of game. Not to suggest the first wasn't just now, anytime they seem to be behind, they're like, you know, caged animals in some respect. And Vancouver, uh, creates a situation that starts to get, um, Colorado in, uh, to, uh, penalty trouble. Hmm. Now, when a team is starting to get frustrated like that, things start to occur. And you had two players proceed to introduce themselves to their hockey sticks on a very personal level. Uh, Brock Besser first cross-checking Josh Manson, and then Josh Manson in turn returning the favor, cross-checking Brock Besser. When you watch the replay, Brock was a cross-check. Manson was more, I'm going to hold my stick up high and your face is going to run into it. I had no problem when they both got sent off too for cross-checking, but when they review this and they're like, Oh, Manson had intent to injure gets his self a game of conduct. Then I'm like, okay, well, if this is just the NHL and they're taking a harder line on intent to injure and applying it in these many situations, I'm actually okay yeah. with the intent to injure to uh, that slew foot. But I don't have any faith that this is actually true. Yeah, and I think it's a valid point. I do think subconsciously part of the um, why it feels wrong that it was Niels Hoglander getting intent to injure is because it's Niels Hoglander and our impression of him so far as Canucks fans, like he's never had a major in his NHL. He does. He has now. Yeah. Um, and it's that he's and a Max very fine. sweet, lovely boy, but which I'm sure he is. Um, but, you know, like as I think it was Cody Stevenson was pointing out like his junior career was pretty 
like goon-like at times. He had a lot of elbows to the head um, back in Sweden. So I maybe it's not that out of character, but yeah, I do think it was subconsciously partly that. I mean, who knows? Intent danger is such a weird penalty anyway because like when player safety are looking at stuff they don't look Mm at you know the injury that happens because you could get lucky so intent to injure is just a bit of a strange one anyway i think yeah so with manson now sitting in the box well actually not in the box on his way to the dressing room but now having a five minute major for cross checking as opposed to two minute minor You'd think that, oh, hey, the Vancouver Canucks, they're going to get an opportunity with three minutes to uh, potentially take a lead. Um, That's not actually what happened because before uh, the uh, well chance for that to occur happens where Brock comes out of the penalty box, uh, Anthony Beauvillier is then assessed a minor for interference. And just as his penalty comes to a conclusion... Tyler Myers goes and gets called for slashing on Nathan McKinnon. So the Vancouver Canucks got, I think it was like 20 seconds of power play time on this mm-hmm. five minute major and ultimately uh, came out of it with a diddly squish. It wasn't to, if it, you know, wasn't to be, it wasn't to be, but I feel that this kind of maybe deflated the Canucks in some respect, or maybe took them off their game or had them, you know, thinking too much about uh, the referees potentially, I don't want to say making up calls. They weren't. No. But, but like, uh, third period rolls yeah. out and the Vancouver Canucks are down again. And then it was like the air started slowly leaking out of that balloon. Yeah. I just thought it was a bit of a crazy second period that everyone kind of got distracted by and clearly Canucks did more than Colorado and they were able to focus themselves again in a way that Canucks just weren't. Um, mm-hmm. But like Kalmakar, just like he is a fantastic player. His quality told for sure. I think he's good. I think he's all right. You know, like, yeah, he's got a future in this league. Yeah. And honestly, like arguing about whether Quinn Hughes or Kalmakar is better right now, like, who cares? Like, aren't we just well, so lucky that the two best defensemen in this league, who are the most fun to watch, play in our conference? Like, I, I'd have to say, like, the way the NHL looks at things, Quinn Hughes is the better of the two because he's currently putting up production at Kale Camp. I know, you know which is crazy, honestly. Um, That's not taking away anything from the car. It's just the NHL seems to put a lot of weight onto your offensive production when you're a defenseman. Yeah. Uh, what was I? Just on Quinn Hughes, I saw some clip from a sports podcast, like a vodcast the other day, and they're looking at, you know, the two Hughes brothers in New Jersey, plus Quinn in Vancouver and their production, and just saying, like, what were they, like, what's, this is just, like, amazing DNA. What's in their genes? Like, as if their like parents weren't both fantastic hockey players and one's a hockey coach and like Quinn credits his mom with his game sense and just like skating ability and yeah. So I, I, that was like do your research comment a bit. Um, but 
yeah, like, honestly, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, like, I am glad to be alive in this timeline. So, Canucks, they uh, they take that L, and they decide that they need to go and prove it a point. Uh, heading into Seattle in what has now been aptly called the i 5 Yeah. It, it looks really bad written down, but it sounds funny. Yeah, I I had not heard that or seen I, it until I it got brought up during the broadcast. The enemy of the show, um, why aunt did coin that back in the day. I hate to give him credit, but hmm. well, the Vancouver Canucks go into Seattle. They lost to Seattle. Seattle's feeling, you know a little good about themselves. The crowd there is buzzing. You've also got, you know, a lot of Canucks jerseys uh, in the barn. Uh, former hosts, Clay Emo is down there. Um, and, you know, Clay only goes to games where the Vancouver Canucks are going to win, apparently. <laughs> but, uh, no, the the Canucks come out and uh, proceed to set the tone early. And, you know, good guy Bluger gets his first of the season. But it felt like Seattle just couldn't get anything together. Um, the Vancouver Canucks aggressive forecheck uh, really disrupted anything that Seattle could try to put together. Yes, uh, Cartier scores a goal. I think it's Cartier. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the watch. Yeah. But um, there wasn't anything that Seattle was able to go in and and – and manufactured Danko played well. And as the third period rolled around, uh, it was quite clear that the Vancouver Canucks had it to, you know, well in control. Again, it's, it's similar to this experience that we saw against the sharks earlier on the week. Vancouver is only up by a goal and old school Vancouver Canucks. That's the worst lead possible. Maybe save for a two goal lead yet. It never occurred to me that the Canucks were going to lose. Lafferty goes and gets himself his fifth. Helglander gets a seventh. And then McKayef shortly after that ensures that Seattle is going home unhappy, uh, leaving uh, Vince Dunn to uh, refer to losing to a team, team like, like that. that. Though I, I did see someone on social media refer to it as it's, it's tough to lose to a team like that with the emphasis being on their performance as yeah, opposed it's to tough the team to they lose were playing. Like that. Yeah. And honestly, like hockey players aren't the most eloquent of people at the best of times. Never mind like after a game, after a loss, like I- I'm sure that's correct, but it's way funnier to take it the other way, especially with the history of the phrase to Canucks fans. Um, because, yeah, honestly, the rivalry, I mean, we played them twice in two weeks, which has probably helped. But, like, look at the Sharks game. We'll move on to the Sharks game shortly. But, like, San Jose are bad this year. But because Canucks have played them 500 times, there's some bad feeling generating there. Like, you almost just need that, like a big building block to creating a rivalry, but the NHL don't seem that interested in doing that. Well, it's hard to build a rivalry when you play a team 500 times and one of those teams loses 499 of the games. Yeah. But But, I think Ray hit the nail on the head. 
to actually have a rivalry occur, meet the team in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah. And we've talked about that before. But there's definite things that NHL could have done better, like Canucks, Vancouver, Canucks cracking on a weekend their first season. That home and away. Yeah. That's like how many happen. times have we seen a home and away to like Calgary or to Edmonton? Have we seen a home and away to Seattle yet? I don't I don't know. Maybe we have. It's just not apparent to me that we've seen yeah. that. And like honestly, it was Neil's day yesterday. Um or Friday. Do you, do you think no. that that Neil Zoman had signed his contract before the game or after he got a couple apples and a he go what third star star? I mean it was announced on social media, but like, you know, getting the call up um and the new contract on the same day. Like, anyone that's been watching Baby Canucks games, Neil Azaman has been pretty dominant. And that's what you want to see in an AHL, in an NHL player playing in the AHL, right? So, um, I do think he belongs long-term in the NHL. Um, even if that's not quite now. Um, but yeah, it was cool seeing that nearly Neil's line as... I hate to quote Wyatt twice in an episode, so like hmm. let's never mention him again. But um, yeah, it was cool to see both of them have a good day on Friday. Yeah. So the Canucks get themselves a dub, and they head down to San Jose, where I think, if I recall, I had said this is the game that had worried me. I talked about travel being an issue. Trap. Trap. Right? The trap game. And what's interesting is if you happen to watch the broadcast, they talked about travel. They talked about how the Vancouver Canucks had to make a choice. Did they fly on that, that night? Do they fly in the same day of the game? Um, they talked about how both situations disrupt player routine. Uh, and the Vancouver Canucks, for what little I saw, looked sluggish and sloppy. And I say little I saw is that a lot going on on Saturday, and unfortunately, I, I didn't get in to see the game until uh, it was 4-2. I'd sort of passively paid attention. Um, but it sounds like if I were to go in and, and give you a synopsis, uh, I tuned into the exciting part of the game. Yeah. Like, you know, like I go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, like. In a way that, like, watching that 5-2 by Colorado was actually a very close game. Like, the 4-2 by San Jose, like, it's not that... Well, it was 4-3 4-3, rather. Like, it was only close in the last five minutes. Like, yeah. Well, on the ice, on the scoreboard, it was close going into the third period. Um, but one of the things that I saw, having sort of watched... Um, some of the, the replay is that the Vancouver Canucks were generating chances that they just couldn't put into open nets, right? Yeah. Like they, they were getting opportunity despite playing poorly and it was them who could not get any puck luck. It's not that Kakinen was standing on his head, uh, making unbelievable save after unbelievable save. Uh, he, he looked culpable, but the Vancouver Canucks just were not getting any luck whatsoever. Despite all of that, going into the third period 2-2 in a sloppy game, these, again, are the games where good teams find ways to manufacture wins, and in this particular case, Vancouver could not do that. Uh, they themselves were caught napping, 
and they arguably sported San Jose two goals and early in the third period to make it that much more difficult. And it wasn't until really, I want to say the last, what, six minutes? Maybe yeah. like it was, they, it was before they had pulled uh, DeSmith, but the Vancouver Canucks had started to play much more aggressively. It was like they woke up, realized that, oh my goodness, it's the third period already. We're already past the midway point. And when Brock Besser scores that goal with the net empty to make it 4-3, I'm like, oh, wow. Watch the Canucks go and tie this up. Like everything had me leading myself to think that that was possible. And then actually, was it a minute and a half left where it was a poor pass back to the blue line and San Jose has the puck and I commented to my my wife and daughter we're all watching it and I'm like oh yeah well San Jose is going to score an empty net goal game over missed the net mm-hmm. and and ices and it's like oh well hey well Vancouver got to be good to be lucky lucky to be good it was for naught yeah I mean just in the same way that although Canucks came very close to tying up in their loss against the Kraken the week before like it was still, even though they again they came very close to tying it up in this game, but mm-hmm. the fact that they allowed a lesser team to get on top of them like that—that's the more worrying thing. Like that Gremlin goal was basically uncontested. Um, what are you talking about? There were Canucks. They put their sticks in the way. Yeah, I mean, heaven forbid they skate <laughs> in front of him. When Michael, when Michael Granlin's going coast to coast on you, like playing for San Jose, like take a look in the mirror, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it was a bit disappointing. But yeah. if there were some positives, though, happen. to take from the game, Brock Besser um, yeah. was showing that uh, he's following JT Miller's lead and acquiring F's as to which he could give out. This is not to suggest he has not given F's before. He certainly has. But he's playing. I was going to say um, a sharp style of hockey, right? Like we're starting to see him assert himself, um, bite back when he, you know, gets pushed around in front of the net. He's becoming that power forward. We always envisioned him to possibly be. And if he develops himself into a similar style or similar vein that JT Miller possesses, that's a, pretty potent pair of power forwards to have that was an excellent alliteration as well thank you um <laughs> and just yeah, point no, out it- that brock bester is currently tied for the uh nhl lead of goals with nikita kircheroff who uh unfortunately jumped in front of quinn hughes 35 to 33 yeah but like who could have imagined that brock bass has 15 goals we're not even at the end of november yet like it's the season he deserves to have but like he he often had the potential of having but various things off the ice injuries um and it was kind of like the season he needed to have in a way it's kind of like Mm -hmm. the potential that he showed in his sophomore year that like we need to see that again so yeah it's very satisfying to watch so the Vancouver Canucks uh, come back uh, from a short uh, road trip with only one win, but with the win at the start of the week against the Sharks, it's a 500 week. Uh, one thing, however, is very clear. We have now passed U.S. Thanksgiving 
And as far as statistics go in the NHL, teams who hold playoff positions after U.S. Thanksgiving make the playoffs nine times out of ten. So if you're a Vancouver Canucks fan, that bodes very well. Yeah. Um, but, it's funny to think, though, like in the historically weak Pacific Division, that um, like we're still looking up at the Golden Knights and the Kings, like um, teams that are finally – Kings finally having their year um, – that kind of plan to come to fruition of young players. So yeah, I mean, I'm not worried or anything, but I feel like it's going to be one of those half and half divisions again, where you have the strongest teams in the Pacific and then also the weakest teams in the Pacific. But yeah. Yeah. So looking ahead, the Vancouver Canucks are back at home for a couple of games. They take on the Anaheim Ducks on Tuesday, the Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday, and then they head to Calgary for a game against the Flames in Calgary for Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday. This week uh, is an interesting one uh, for the Vancouver Canucks. One, they get to take on the Golden Knights. Apparently they are a good team. Yeah. They are taking on a team in Anaheim, who is not as good as a Golden Knights team happens to be, as well as a Flames team, who's not as good as the Golden Knights happen to be. If you go strictly by record, the Vancouver Canucks get two out of a possible three wins. But there is actually a game that worries me more than the one at home against Vegas. And it's the one in Calgary. Yeah. I mean, uh, Calgary finding their feet a bit more. Um, I still don't think they're living up to the promise that they had a couple of years ago. Um, but, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm concerned, like we talked about Trap Games before, and, um, yeah, going to Calgary on a Saturday I don't love. I feel like the Ducks, Ducks are going to win. Like, I'm pretty sure about that. Well, I, like as of recording, the Ducks have lost five straight. Yeah. It's not a team on the upswing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident in the Canucks on Tuesday. I think it'll be a good game against the Knights on Thursday, whatever the result. But, yes. Against Calgary. Tender in the league in Aiden Hill. Yeah. He's got a buck 97 GAA right now. Aiden Hill, what a story. Remember him yeah. in San Jose? Did he play in San Jose? Yeah. Mm. Often not as the first choice, so <laughs> anyway. So what record do you have the Canucks, uh, or how many points? That's the thing. We can't say record because of the loser point. How many points do you think the Canucks get from this three-game uh, stretch between episodes? Three. Three points? Okay, that's what I was going to say. I and give them three points. I two one zero, in my mind. That's that's it too. That's exactly because for me that Calgary game is the one that I just it has trouble written all over it. Um, sorry, just to go back to Aiden Hill briefly. Did you know who's from Comox? I didn't know that. No, I didn't. But I I don't pay that close attention to players not dressed in a he Vancouver Canucks. He was jersey. giving very American energy, and I can't explain that. Just. There you go. 
Good local kid. Another local kid with a sunny cup. Well, uh, we're going to take a short break. Feel free to look up uh, Aiden Hill and where he's from, uh, wherever you can. And uh, yeah, you're listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast. He liked to say the F word. Oh, then get the f*** here then. Okay, see ya. Oh, oh. going to have the F word on it. I wish I could give you an explanation about it. I can't. You, 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 out of it. You called me the F word. Have you thrown any money down on the Vancouver Canucks winning the Stanley Cup this season, Anna? I have not. And I have heard about the odds. And I am. (laughs) Before we get on to the main topic of this F word, um, which, as you may have guessed already, is gambling. because we did flag that last week. But also, I don't want to hear about the Canucks being Stanley Cup favorites, especially on a national broadcast. Like, don't look at us. Don't perceive us. <laughs> Leave us be. And we'll see where we are. Like, it's November. Leave us alone. <laughs> but on a more serious note, I did want to talk about adverts, um, gambling commercials that we are seeing just more and more prominently and how gambling is becoming like an intrinsic part of hockey these days. Um, obviously, there's, there's no shade at um, former host of this show, um, <laughs> Matt Lee, like who does work um, like in that area. but And it's definitely no shade to any of our friends in the industry that are like have gambling segments advertise gambling um especially not like there's quite a few very strong female voices in the game that make a lot of um their money or get a lot of um their content from you know promoting betting in uh, one way shape or form Literally, this is no shade at anyone apart from the gambling companies themselves, which I think is a super, super toxic industry. And I think it's just time we took it a lot more seriously than we currently do. Like, to me, I think it's absolutely harrowing to watch a hockey broadcast where you see an advert for addiction counseling and rehab, and then the next ad break, it's advertising like a betting company mm-hmm. like those two things are not related like gambling ruins people's lives it's a predatory predatory industry um and i think we just need to take it a lot more seriously what have you what have your thoughts been on like kind of seeing this boom in canada well i you know i'll be very transparent uh in that I will on occasion put some money down on something um, for S's and G's. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's like, uh, let's say 20 bucks. And that $20 is either going to go into a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks, or is it going to go to me uh, betting with my heart, which I've learned <laughs> my heart does not love me as much as I love the bets it uh, convinces me to make. But what I found interesting is how prolific sports 
betting has become in the advertising space. And I was curious, like, why is that? Like, what, what was the lever that would suddenly take the, you know, hey, know your limit, play within it, which we were accustomed to as sort of BCLC mm-hmm. to the next level where we're now seeing and we're inundated with it inundated. on every Everyone. sports broadcast. And it, I th- look to a shift that occurred in the province of Ontario in 2021 as being the impetus. They essentially launched a, a, a regulated online gaming market, mm-hmm. which then one opens the door to the largest potential audience that sports in Canada can can interact with. Uh, two also drives home the fact that these sports teams in that province are owned by the networks that provide most of the content we get, whether it be through Rogers, who owns Sportsnet, or Bell, who owns TSN, and the gambling industry has money to burn Mm -hmm. and as a result can throw so much into the marketing, uh, but then the actual cost of the, the ads themselves. And I feel that what we're seeing is simply, you know, telecom looking for a way to make a buck and our largest province equally trying to get in on the action. I am appalled that you'll see a, a, an ad uh, for addiction counseling, um, followed by an ad to gamble. Uh, it's also concerning that the industry has been provided the ability to uh, self monitor or self police. Like mm-hmm. I've always found it. I don't want to say humorous. It's not, not the right word, but intriguing maybe that and i'll use the bc example you go into a casino here in the province of bc and it'll talk that you're not permitted to be here if you're self-excluded i might have a problem but until such time as i say i have a problem and sign the paper you have every right to let me in yeah problem or no problem like that is a problem yeah i mean and long-term listeners of the show may point out that we've done gambling ads in the past we've done ad reads for gambling mm-hmm. um i'm sure listeners will also note that i clearly had no idea what i was talking about in every single gambling segment um i don't think it's a thing we would do in the future but like again what we're talking about as the problem um is these companies and their predatory <sighs> way of operating um and that includes the advertising yeah like the i think the most troubling one to me is the you know do you know what a face-off is then you can bet on the game do you know like which teams are playing and you can bet on the game like almost just being like you know if you know the basic amount um this isn't a skill just like and as funny as the americans don't know jack about hockey um commercial is like it's just so scary to me that it's just like don't gamble with the americans just gamble with us like we're safe yeah don't don't let chip make all that money he may never pay you yeah (laughs) i it's funny that you talk about if you you know, know which teams are playing. You can bet on the game. There was, uh, I was watching some Sunday night football before we came down to record. And there's an ad with Kurt Warner, a former Alabama player, 
talks about uh, football being an unpredictable sport based on a number of different percentages that X number of, you know, teams win by three points or less on and so forth. So uh, long story short, you need to understand that there's no sure thing, but Hey, if you're aware of that, here's where you can go to, to place those bets. Like that's the part that I feel is a problem is, is the accessibility is to which this promotes like, you know, you can go to, to playnow.com very easily log in bet so long as you're in the province of BC, um, put, put some money in on an online account. I can do it with, you know, interact real quick and I could be broke in a moment. Um, there's, there's no means to impede me really from doing it online. I know some might say, well, Chris, if BCLC doesn't do it, chip down and who knows where it does it. And he gets the money instead. You're right. But we trust the provincial lottery uh, organizations probably a little bit more. And that inherent trust gives us or convinces us that maybe there's a greater likelihood that we're going to get that big dopamine hit when we win big. Yeah. And I think in general, I just so like coming from where I come from and like betting is just so prolific in the Premier League. Um, obviously at the moment in the NHL, Shane Pinto's, I want to say I was able to go into like a post office and place bets. Oh I yeah. Mean, I, I, I might be mis misremembering here, but when I was um, in the UK, I was like, Holy smokes. Like, you know, they're, I can't remember what it was. They were, they were advertising. It might've, maybe it was a place I could buy stamps or something like that. And it had the, yeah. I mean, usually you'd be in a bookies over. in the UK, but like you can play the lottery in a, um post office for sure anyway but like the point is that like does does current Premier league player serving a um ban for gambling um obviously shane pinto right now for the Ottawa senators um like it's an issue and i do think like i last year i read the book or earlier this year i read the book might bite which is um about a gambling addict sort of descent um and mental health issues what you know where to the point where he was thinking of um suicide and he was you know five minutes away from it probably and this is a guy who's lost thousands and thousands of pounds over and over and yet he was treated like royalty by these betting companies because he made them so much money and you know he should have been flagged as a problem gambler a lot of these sites say they have systems in place to stop problem gambling happening, and yet, you know, they don't enact their policies and they allow these people to get into debt and who knows what else. Yeah. It, it, it has the potential to be extremely scary to an individual before they realize how bad of a problem it happens to be if enough people however get into really rough shape it has a much broader impact on on us as a society um, what i've also come to learn is there isn't really a sort of not one-stop shop um, but uh, a mechanism to get help support and education like it is easier for me to go place a bet than to research whether or not I should be. Yeah. 
And like we say, like, I don't find any personal joy in gambling. Like, I never have done. I've bet on horses in the Grand National before I kind of knew how badly the horses were treated. But um, I don't get, like, to me, it takes joy away from sport, from watching sport. Um, but I understand that, you know, placing a bet here or there for fun is, like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the industry as a whole that I find troubling. And the way it's been advertised, especially this season, is mm-hmm. really worrying to me. Well, it's only a matter of time until that's all we see on a broadcast is yeah, the variety of different ads for, for gambling. Yeah. And then the the main line sponsors of the broadcast or the team or teams that are playing themselves. That's it. Yeah. We're curious um, what your thoughts on this sort of um, inundation of, of sports gambling um, as it pertains to what we've seen in sport. Uh, Let us know in C4 discord discord.io slash C4 podcast. Is it too much? Is it, okay in your mind are we making a mountain out of a molehill i don't think we are but as anna pointed out there's lots i I don't know about it so i would like if people have more educated opinions with their in-depth knowledge of gambling please share them but here we are anna uh end of a broadcast of ourselves um there may have been ads who knows wouldn't be a shame if there was like sports gambling ads at the start of this podcast that i can't get rid of yeah um not ours that's the network that inserts them, which I would love to be able to turn off. Like, I, honestly, we get nothing from them. Um, we're in, as I said, and I'm going to continue to mention this time and time again, we're in a weird situation where we joined a network prior to a pandemic who then passed this over to a different network, um, took away all the advantage that we had in being part of that network. We get absolutely nothing from it and now won't sort of return the phone call. So we are here, but if we were to try to fix things, we go dark and that sucks. But uh, any any words of wisdom that you can share with our listeners this week, Anna? Um, I just want to, my final thing is I want to give a shout out to friend of the show, Brock McGillis, who is on uh, 100 Cities in 100 Days, I believe, tour, which is absolutely mad. But he is um, going around North America educating teams at all different levels um, about inclusion in hockey specifically. LGBTQ2S plus issues. So um, he's an incredible person, an amazing educator. So we wish him the best of luck. That's awesome. I imagine he doesn't have time to join us in the show, probably. I, I imagine not in the next couple months. Um, he has just yeah. been in Vancouver. He unfortunately did see that cracking game, but what mm. are you going to do? Yeah. Well, it might have brought him joy to see the Vancouver Canucks lose. Maybe it would. He's a bit of a troll yeah. that way. Yeah, but we love them for it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, words of wisdom from me, um, approximately four weeks left in the calendar year. If you've got you know benefits or things that you need to use before they expire, time to consider using them. Smart. Um, you know, I personally do not have benefits as to which I can use, but I'm using the benefits that I uh, subscribe to that uh, my wife has. So I'm, again, nice. trying to get my money's worth out of that. Uh but yeah, the calendar year is almost up. We are reaching that point in our broadcast sort of schedule 
where it might be disrupted, but we'll serve you more information when it becomes available and we figure things out because Anna's going home. I am. I just booked my train tickets for Christmas Eve um, to get from London to my mom's new place on the South Coast. I mean, the first time I looked it up, it was four changes for what would usually be a two and a half hour journey. So I have managed to narrow that down to two changes or one change, but I might be on a coach for part of it. But it's exciting. It's happening. I would presume that maintenance isn't going to occur on Christmas Eve. Mm. It's quite tricky. Like whether it's maintenance, it's strikes or it's, I think the problem is few, fewer staff. That's what makes mm. it so tricky. But the UK is very blessed to have a very good rail network. It's just when it breaks, it really does break. Yeah. I, I, I can't speak from much experience, but I know in, in, a trip that we had visiting uh, my late uh, sort of grandmother-in-law that uh, there were, there were maintenance uh, taking place that resulted in uh, one leg of our journey not being accessible by train. So they threw us on a bus, which was perfectly fine. The bus got us to the station faster than the train would have, because they actually had us go direct as opposed to sort of the stop right. that was going to occur in between. But what they didn't account for was that as the other uh, train wasn't going to come through. They had a train coming the other direction, reverse and leave early. Uh. So when we got there, it was pulling away and there seemed to be quite a bit of confusion as to why that train did not wait for this and left apparently pretty darn empty. Yeah. Sometimes the things don't quite line up. So yeah, Please pray for me for a smooth journey down to the South Coast on Christmas Eve. And if you want to give uh, Anna some kind words or hot tips as to how to take the train and navigate in the United Kingdom, again, C4 Discord is the place to do it, discord.o slash C4 podcast. Uh, you can also, you know, reach out to us on uh, on whatever the heck X is these days, Twitter, Zitter, X, uh, at the C4 podcast or on threads at the real C4 podcast, because someone already had the C4 podcast. Maybe it was us. I do not know. (laughs) Uh, If you'd like to support our show uh, financially, either by throwing a couple of bucks our way or alternatively to subscribe on a monthly or annual basis, you can do so by going to support.c4podcast.com, which will in turn forward you to buy me a coffee or as Anna and I like to call it. Buy me a pint. And you can do just that. Um, again, a couple of bucks, whatever amount you would prefer, you could throw our way. Um, monthly or annual subscriptions, uh, $5 a month or for a year, it's $50 for the course of the year. That's all in Canadian funds. And all the money that you provide us goes back into the show. It quite literally pays the bills, the platform that we use to record the show on, uh, hosting, all of that jazz. And, uh, you know, every dollar that you provide us, we, we do greatly appreciate. But Anna... It's time to wrap things up. You are A4603. I am at Lightforce. And this show, well, we out.